Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. King, I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Okay, uh, if everyone will uh, check your cell phone and make sure it's on vibrate. Uh, This meeting is recorded, so in the spirit of this tradition, uh, please carry the message. The recorder will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so the listener can follow. If you do not wish to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attend another section, a session. Please do not touch the recording uh, equipment. Okay, uh, so uh, my name is uh, Paul, as I told you, and um, um, the, the topic, uh, or oh, let me talk a little bit about myself. Let me tell, tell my story, and uh, let me turn my little timer on so that I don't talk too long. Uh, I'm going to talk for two minutes about my uh, where I was, and then I'm going to talk for two minutes about where I am today. Uh, So I was born in New York City. Uh, I was actually born in the Wheel um, uh, Columbia uh, Hospital on East River. Um, I was raised in New York City. Yeah, I, I was raised in New York City. Uh, I, I was uh, in a middle class family. Uh, I was an only child, and um, I didn't have any uh, traumatic experiences uh, with in, in terms of my family. Uh, I, I wasn't uh, physically harmed or uh, physically abused. Um, but I was an only child, and uh, pre-puberty, I, I did have some experiences that, that have followed me uh, up till I got in the program. And, um, but mainly, uh, I was into pornography and masturbation and uh, used those as uh, defenses to shield uh, my emotions. Um, and... Um, I did that all during uh, high school and uh, all during uh, college. Um, I got married, uh, had two daughters, uh, but I was basically living a double life. The, uh, there was the Paul that was the businessman, the churchman, the, the businessman, the family man, and then there was the other Paul that was the pornography guy uh, looking at uh, pornography. Um, and uh, originally, of course, I uh, you had to get up and buy magazines and uh, get DVDs. Uh, and, of course, today that's all changed. Uh, it's, it's ubiquitous. So... Uh, 
Anyway, um, I'm going to start the second half of my story, and that was I got caught by my wife having an affair. And uh, we went to a uh, marriage counselor, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but he was a CSAT. Uh, so he was trained in addiction, and he said, you're a sexaholic. And I looked at him, and I, and I thought, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Uh, but he said, uh, I, I recommend you go to SA, and I recommend your wife go to Essanon. So we did. I, I went to SA, and I, I walked in to the, the first meeting, and I said, who are, who are all these crazy people, and why am I here? Uh, but I had one of the guys got up and he says, I know none of this makes any sense to you. He said, um, but just keep coming to these meetings for a month. Just give it one month. Just come to the meetings. You don't have to share. Just listen. So uh, that's what I did. And I started to, you know, begin to realize that maybe I did have a problem. And I got a temporary sponsor. I went uh, to a beginner's uh, back-to-basics meeting where they you run through the, the 12 steps fairly quickly. Um, I got a sponsor, and I worked the, the 12 steps. So what do I do today to keep myself sober? Uh, I go to meetings. I make phone calls. I, I talk to my sponsor, and I do volunteer work. Um and it's a daily thing that I have to do. I also, uh, at the end of the day, kind of think about what's happened to me because I do know that um, my emotional state is what drives my lust. And so it's important for me to control my lust, control uh, what uh, what is bothering me and to uh, talk about it to, to somebody, to another SA member or uh, to, to somebody that understands um, what's going on with me. Um, and so that's, that's what's helpful for me. So that's uh, my story. Um, and now I'm going to get into the, uh, the, the, the point of this meeting, which is that uh, step zero. What is step zero? Um, what I'm going to ask is I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about step zero. Um, and then what I'd like to do is ask any of you that want to to come up and share, uh, sit in the seat. I'm going to move over there and the the uh, the next person that wants to share come up and and sit what I call on the on deck uh, chair uh, so that we can we can uh, keep this going and I'd like you to uh, that you sh- hold your shares to uh, two minutes if possible um, and the other thing is I I would like your shares to be sort of oriented towards step zero this is not a uh, this is not a meeting uh, where you're going to talk about issues that are going on with yourself specifically. Uh, what we prefer is if you uh, kept your shares to the topic of step zero, how you got here, uh, and what what uh, what was going on with you uh, when you decided to come to SA. So 
I'll, I'll talk a little bit about step zero and um, then I'll ask uh, for people to share. Um, so what what is step zero? And um, to me, step zero is is the beginning. It's the beginning of of the journey. Um, and something has to drive us or me. Um, I'll speak in the Iowa. Something had to drive me to take step zero. And to step zero, well, in my case, what drove me to take step zero was my wife caught me. And uh, my marriage counselor said, you need to uh, go to SA. But other members um, have come to the realization that they're they're ready to change. They want to change. They're sick and tired of uh, the constant um, trauma of uh, being depressed, uh, of lying. Uh, maybe they uh, contracted a uh, sex uh, disease um, or uh, they got caught by a family member or... Uh, they got caught by the law. Uh, all of those uh, things, uh, in my view, can drive you to uh, step zero. Uh, basically, you've hit bottom, and and you you you're really ready to accept this program. So, you know uh, what what do we have to do to to uh, begin the journey? And that is do uh, as I did. Start going to meetings, uh, listen, uh, and and uh, stop acting out, and uh, begin to work the steps. Uh, find a temporary sponsor, and um, you know start working on the on the program, uh, and and do volunteer works. Um, for me, volunteer work is important, and also uh, working with sponsees is important. Um, I'll give you uh, I'll give you Chuck's story. Uh, he uh, was working, did chat rooms, and uh, he finally uh, made a connection, and uh, he was going to go meet. Uh, a girl, and uh, he didn't meet the girl. He met uh, treasury agents. Um, he he went to the bus station, and uh, when he went in and said, "Where is so and so?" He was surrounded by uh, four four U.S. marshals, uh, and he spent uh, f- five years in jail. So for him, that was the bottom. In my case, and, and, and that was his step zero. For me, my step zero was uh, getting caught uh, and uh, really wanting to save my marriage. So at this point, what I'd like to do is uh, ask those of you that want to, to come up and sort of share uh, what brought you into the program. What was your step zero and uh, what you're doing now to uh, keep sober. Any takers? Come on.
my name and say your name, where you're from. <sighs> my name is Joseph and I'm a sexaholic. Um, hey, Joseph. I'm from Los Angeles, um, originally from Edison, New Jersey. Um, so what brought me to the program? Um, took a uh, took. I actually never knew where my bottom was because each time uh, my sponsor kept telling me, you still don't want to stop. But what originally brought me to SA was um, I went to meet somebody um, and uh, I thought I contracted a disease and I was... I always actually told my wife that it was because of guilt that I told her, but really um, underneath it was I thought I contracted a disease I needed to tell somebody, and I told my wife. And uh, I went to my rabbi, and he spoke to a therapist, and he said, you need SA. I was like, what? I, it's, and I remember telling him, how long do I have to go for? And he said, uh, when you don't, you don't want to leave... <laughs> So, uh, and, uh, that's what brought me to SA, but I, I never, I, 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 I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been in the program for two years, but I, I only have, you know, a very short amount. Um, and I feel like then I didn't reach my bottom. I was kind of forced into it, but it didn't come from my own self, whatever, enlightened self-interest. And then this year was a really bad year and I just kept. And I didn't enjoy it anymore. I really didn't. And my wife kicked me out at the same time, and I felt lonely, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. I just felt depressed and just, I got to do anything and everything to make sure that I'm sober, because otherwise I'm dead. And uh, now I'm listening to my sponsor. Um, I'm, I'm moving. I, I mean, I was in, I was in Israel to get these these three weeks that I have, and now I'm going back to L.A., and I'm getting an, another temporary sponsor, but I listened to everything he said. A few ingratitudes, journaling, um, phone calls. I never did this before for two years while I'm in program. Journaling, I, every time I wrote a sentence, I called my sponsor, I said, I can't do anymore. And now I could write for an hour. It's just so funny. It's just something clicked. Just It's just sick and tired of, of acting out. Um, so... That's my thank you. Come on up. <clears throat> Steve, sexaholic, power, silver, lust. Hi, Steve. Where are you from? I'm from Manalpa, New Jersey. Um, I've been uh, in this program in another fellowship. I came clean in June of 2015. I've had <clears throat> acting out in one way, shape, or form since adolescence, since I was eight or nine years old, and it just progressively got worse as I got older um, and then took another turn when I inherited some money after my mom died. Um it's at the point now where I'm separated from my wife. I live with my brother. I sleep on a couch in a condo. Uh, my wife and the kids stay in the house. Uh, we haven't got divorced yet because of uh, finances. <clears throat> so my addiction has taken on various shapes and forms from 
masturbation to um, fetishes, acting out on those fetishes, internet, porn, TV, uh, videos, uh, and is now, since August of last year, taken on um, dating websites. Uh, I've been dating various women, in contact with various women, running away from my problems. Uh, living with my brother hasn't been easy. He's got his own issues that I didn't want to deal with. So instead of, I ran away from everything and uh, wasn't given any time to myself for anything. So step zero, uh, when I just celebrated my birthday on Sunday. I turned 46 years old. And so my gift to myself from my sponsor uh, was to use his therapist that he uses in Tom's River. It's called Leadham Counseling. And I went to a therapist both Monday and Tuesday of this week. And uh, I knew about the convention. This is my first convention. I knew about it in talks and meetings that I've gone to. And it just, as luck would have it, I'm in the right frame of mind to be here this week. Um, I need to be here. Um, the thoughts of lust and... You know, the dating websites and the women just is still there. Um, and you know, it's, it's not going away. I don't think I could just completely shut it on and off like a light. There is going to be some withdrawal symptoms that I'm, that I'm dealing with. So, you know, I have to, as people have said, make phone calls. Journaling is something probably I need to start doing. Um, I need to get a relationship also with a higher power. Um, I did have one last year. For some time, I was working the program and, and thought I was smart enough to do it on my own. And that's when I went overboard and just uh, went uh, to the dating and everything like that. So um, I need to incorporate certain changes into my life. I need to get be there for my children uh, and just be sober because uh, I, I already know what it's like to be around when I'm not sober. And so I have to um, be able to do that. And I know one of the biggest challenges is going to be weekends when I'm not with my kids. And fortunately, this weekend is the convention, so I don't have a lot of alone time, which is good. Alone time for me is triggering. Uh, so uh, I'm glad I'm here. Thankful for the convention. Thankful for everybody who shares. And uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Scott. I'm a sexaholic from Chicago. Hi, Scott. And uh, grateful to be here and really glad that you're all here today. Thank you. It's a nice way to kick it off. Uh, what brought me here, I entered the program, I don't know, about six and a half years ago. I was discovered. But once I was discovered, and for me, it was primarily masturbation and internet pornography, but it continued to progress sort of down, you know, all the different places it can progress. Uh, there was a window of about a year where once I was discovered, I lied, I minimized, I was in denial. And it was really that year that cost me my marriage because I just was not able to come clean and um, admit I was too scared. I had been acting out for 30 years and didn't know any other way and couldn't imagine coping with life any other way. So for me, uh, what's happened is, is by working the program, um, recovery has become a way of life for me. 
And some of those ways were shared of, you know, going to meetings, journaling, working with a sponsor, uh, doing service work. But for me, it also includes prayer and meditation, uh, self-care, uh, boundaries, um, obedience, devotion. Uh, but I struggle all the time with willfulness, uh, my ego, um, defiance, stubbornness, impatience. I could probably give you about a hundred different flavors of anger. <laughs> they all fall under there. Um, and, uh, those are the things that threaten my emotional sobriety, which can impact sexual sobriety. You know, I'm not perfect, but when I think about, you know, the, the number of good days I've had over the last six and a half years versus the number of bad days that I've had, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, progress and not perfection, uh, rings, rings true. So I hope everybody has a great convention. Thanks, Scott. My name's Sandy. I'm a sexaholic from Denver. Hey, Sandy. And uh, as I reflect on it, I think that step zero is when I realize that something is drastically wrong and either I don't know what to do about it or I think I do know what to do about it. And I've spent a lot of time there. Um, like most of you, the sex addiction started early on. Um, somewhere around puberty and, and uh, didn't stop for a long time. Um, when I first thought something was drastically wrong was when I first learned about masturbation. And, and the thing that was wrong was the shame that was, was attached to it. And I just kept trying to quit, saying I can stop. Um, magazines were about the only thing available then to kids, and we had to, um, those of us smart enough to, could steal them and get away with it. Um, and that persisted for a long time. I can remember when I was 25, I got married for the first time, and I thought to myself, thank God, I'm getting married. I didn't say thank God. I th said thank goodness I'm getting married because now I won't have to act out anymore. And every one of you in the room knows that that's not true. That doesn't happen to us. Uh, internet pornography made it worse. Uh, my thought of what normal sex was, what desirable sex was, um, was not to be masturbating and looking at pornography like I was doing, but was to be like the guys in the locker room, the back-slapping guys that said, you know what I did last night, you know who I had last night, you know what? And I thought that was normal stuff, and I thought that was desirable stuff, and I could never quite get there. I didn't want to quit. I just wanted to quit masturbating. Uh, about uh, 12 years ago, uh, my wife confronted me on the computer. Um, I had retired. I had moved the computer home, and she found out I was doing things on the computer, not working late, but looking at things on the computer. Um, I had been consistently and constantly trying to quit. 
I'm in another program. Uh, when when this happened, I had been sober in that other program that had something to do with alcohol. You might guess what it is. Um, and I thought, I know what to do in this program. I know how to get sober. Um, but I didn't think of it in terms of sobriety or not sobriety until after my wife confronted me. I had seen psychiatrists and psychologists, and they thought it was maybe a little compulsive, but perfectly normal. Nobody gave me the right answer. I went to uh, SAA. When my wife first confronted me, I found SAA meetings, and I thought I had found the answer. Uh, I don't want to denigrate another program. That just didn't work for me, but it works for others. Uh, I, I would come home after meetings and continue to, to act out. Um, we bought a house in Florida, and uh, we bought a house in Florida that needed to be remodeled. So I went to Florida to remodel the house without my wife, and I never remodeled a thing. I just acted out the whole time. Uh, to cut to the chase, about three years ago, a friend of mine in a therapy group said, why don't you go to S.A.? And I went to SA, and we've got a very well-defined bottom line. Um, we talk very definitely about doing the steps. We talk very definitely about doing getting a sponsor. We talked about all the things that I had done in AA, but I already knew how to do so. I didn't need to do them again. I knew what the solution was, and I knew how to do it myself. And the fact of the matter is that I can't do it myself. So... That's pretty much my story. I found somebody who said, you better do it this way, and I did it that way. And I don't want to tell you I'm going to be sober forever, but I haven't acted out in a little over three years, and I feel pretty good about that. Thanks, Scott. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm uh, a lustaholic. Hi, Sean. I, I love being a lustaholic. It's so freeing. It really is. You know, I, it really is a childhood disease. I've heard this over and over and over again. I, You know, it just started so young. No idea what I was doing, but I knew from my fate that I grew up in, it was wrong. But that was kind of exciting. So step zero to me is remaining teachable. And that was the first thing my sponsor wrote in my book, Remaining Teachable, every day that I got up. You know, when I, I used to say I lost my wife, I lost my children, I lost my home, I lost everything. No, I didn't. Sean, with his disease, gave my wife away, gave my children away, gave my home away, gave everything away to live in the streets because my lust wanted me more than I wanted my family. Give me lust, there's my wife. Give me lust, there's my children. And uh, I don't know where all of you are at, but I was at the place where uh, I wanted to kill myself. I really did. I was so desperate, so shame-based, so everything-based that I wanted to kill myself. But I was so blessed that a young Orthodox Jewish man from Muncie, New York, uh, and he was in this program, and he found me, and he t took me to my first meeting. 
And I know when I got to my first meeting, it could have been six hours. It could have been seven hours. I didn't care. I knew the minute I walked in that meeting, and I was also like Sandy in another program, I knew I was home. I knew I was home. I had never in my life heard people talk about what I had been going through most of my life. You know, the disease, the different types of behavior, because I was too shameless. You know what I did in my, my faith? I would have to go, you'll obviously know what kind of faith I have. I had to go to confession. And every time I went, I'd say, I had immoral thoughts. I had immoral thoughts, impure thoughts. That's all I did. You know, and so I never talked to another soul. So I'm in my first meeting of SA, and I'm here, man, talking about, and there's a woman in that meeting too, I hear them talking about what they went through, just like today. And I knew, oh my God, I'm finally saying. Now, here's what happened. My wife, wonderful woman, an amazing person, she, we were in divorce court. And she said, I said, would you be willing? I don't know where it came from. I know it was my higher power. I called God in my experience. Said, would you be willing to work this out? She said, yes, if you go away to a treatment center for six weeks. Yes. You continue with your program. Get a sponsor. Yes. And get a counselor that works with SA people. Yes. Sign the house over to me. Yes. Stop having any credit cards. Yes. Whatever she said, yes. Because I knew in my heart she was the right woman. As a person was me, that had to be. So step zero really was, you know, is really, you know what it is, bottom line for me, SA and, and, and step zero? Loving that little Sean. Loving that little five-year-old boy who wasn't a bad kid who just found a way to relieve the pain that I felt at that age. My parents had both died, and that's not an excuse. And I just had so much pain that this was a, something I could do. I always say going under the covers with Mr. Happy was just a way of just relieving that pain. And I continued to do that. But you relieved the pain from me every day and every meeting and every time I studied this program by just looking in your face, Joseph, by just knowing that you're here, that I'm never going to be alone again. It's an amazing gift to a guy like me. I never have to be alone again. And that's what gives me the, the joy. And I want to share with you, sir. I, I do as much service. I'm intergroup representative, no big deal. I do as much. And I want to tell you the last part that's critical to me. My sponsor told me in another program many moons ago, I was giving out my number, big shot, called me. He said, don't ever let me see you do that again, ever. You get their number and you call them. And I've been doing that since I came in this program. Because that's what this is about. It's about giving back. It's not about taking. I took all my whole life. It's about, and I call people all over to just tell them, I'm just saying I'm here. If you need me, let me know. So I am so honored to be, I've never met so many nicest people as I've met in this program. The most wonderful, loving, caring people that are, who have, listen, look what the second part of the serenity prayer is. It's through our difficulties that we find peace. Through our difficulties we find peace. And you guys, listen, I'm telling you, you're the most wonderful people I've ever met. Isn't that amazing?
to know that today. So thank you. Thank Thanks, you so Sean. much. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Dennis W. from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, Dennis. Uh, wow. I mean, my story's already been told up here. You know, I got started early. I found a way to um, disconnect from the world, disconnect from other people. Um, I've never heard the phrase under the covers with Mr. Happy before, but I think it'll stick with me the rest of my life. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Uh, but my st as I sat here, sure, I, I have an ugly story to tell. There was a moment where everything fell apart. People became aware of what I was doing and such. But my step zero was a moment in life that that can't be replaced, and that was this, the birth of my son. I use his birth date as my sobriety date, and it's accurate and such. Because um, I had gone through all kinds of different things up until that point. You know, I, I'd had counseling. I was a part of the program. I had sworn that I wouldn't do this anymore. I had some sobriety under my belt, probably not high-quality sobriety uh, and such. But... When I went to the hospital with my wife and she got in trouble during the delivery and they said, step out of the room, we're going in, we have to take it through emergency C-section. Then they let me come back in the room. So I'm standing there next to her in the surgery room, all gowned up and that. Here she is to my right. Here's the business going on to my left. There's kind of a cloth wall in between. She's talking to me, and she's completely depending on me in that moment to support her. But then on this side, I see my son born, and he's alive. And, th and that was my step zero. That's what I see as my step zero. I finally had something that was bigger than me that I could turn to and say, you know what, i got to get this thing figured out. You know, I gotta, I gotta work my program. And, and that's really the message that I'm here to sit in front of you and share is, to me, step zero is finding that moment in time where you finally have a reason that you understand completely it's time to work the program. You know, wishes and intents and all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't count. But holding that little person in my arm and knowing that I had somebody that I could give to for the rest of my life if I so chose was a turning point. I had my first conscious choice to give instead of take. And I'll be forever grateful for my son, my sobriety, and this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Ed W. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Ed. I'm a Louisville, Kentucky area. And um, 
I've been sitting back and just listening to what's being shared. And um, my introduction to SA was before the White Book was uh, put together and published. So the idea of step zero is just something still growing on me, even though my sobriety date's January 1, 91. Um, I'm learning what that means. I was driven to SA by the lash of lust, and I was attracted to stay there by the loving expressions of uh, a loving, caring God found in the members that I had the opportunity to interact with, and um, I found my people. Um, my my journey started elsewhere because uh, I had a pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. I, I, I hit a bottom uh, that I couldn't get out of. And uh, also in that place, I was given the gift of desperation. Um. It was just here recently I realized the gift of desperation is just an acronym for God. <laughs> um, God was doing for me what I can do for myself. He was sending me where he knew I needed to go. Um, I just knew I didn't want the misery that I'd lived in uh, before I found 12-step rooms. That misery was just uh, overwhelming. I was truly hopeless. I was truly in a place of hopeless state of mind and body. And um, I didn't understand it. Um, my journey got to start in Al-Anon. And uh, mostly women there. But intuitively, I didn't see those women as people that I would prey on. They, uh, they were people that uh, embodied a source of help. That, that was God right there. Sick, sick, drunk like me who's used women. And by that time, I had progressed down to the uh, level of, of regularly uh, accessing prostitution. Um, I started out with fantasies as a little boy. And um, the opportunity uh, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, the music, the uh, print media, um, I could create fantasies as a little boy and isolate, and it took me out of the painful uh, present reality that I that I knew so well and didn't know how to get away from without creating these fantasies. Um, so showing up in Al-Anon with those women, it, it was nurturing. It was loving. That gentleness uh, kept me there. But that wasn't the place that had all the answers for me. I finally found a man that could uh, be willing to sponsor me, and I asked him questions that he didn't have the answer for. And so he gave me permission to go to Alcoholics Anonymous because I'd originally called there because I had met a guy whose life had dramatically changed, and I wanted his kind of life. He wasn't a slave to alcohol anymore. I didn't see that as being me, but, again, I'm sick. I'm confused. I don't understand. But I did call um, Alcoholics Anonymous and ask for help there. And they told me that help wasn't there for me. I did get to Al-Anon, and then from Al-Anon through that Al-Anon sponsor, went to AA, identified. And eventually I read a book 
that describe me looking for love in all the wrong places. I identified with examples there. And then shortly after that, SA was revealed to me uh, from a person that pulled me aside after the AA meeting and said, we don't talk about that here, but you might find what you're looking for and some questions on a bulletin board. And I did, and I found my people. And at first I thought I just needed to stop acting out. I'd gotten married thinking that was going to stop the masturbation, but obviously it didn't. And um, and even an early essay, I thought it was the behavior I needed to stop. That's a beginning. Today I know it's the first frame of a fantasy. When that picture starts moving, I'm drunk. And I'm grateful to have that revelation. And uh, with working the steps and continuing to do inventory and improve my conscious contact and try to give it away that I've been given, and practicing the actions of love. I get to stay here. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. Hello, everyone. My name is Ken. I'm a sexaholic. And I'm uh, from uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, not too far away from here. Um, first of all, I can just repeat everything that's been said. Uh, so that really makes it easier to limit the talk for two minutes. Um, the uh, step zero for me, um, you know, I, I echoed the uh, same progression that, that many have discussed here. Magazines to video cassettes to DVDs to prostitution to massage parlors. And the uh, step zero for me was really, um, and I blame my addiction totally on, on Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Um, because had it not been for the internet, I'd be sober now. Of course, I wouldn't be, but, um, then when I discovered chat rooms, uh, I thought I died and went to heaven. Uh, and I really died and went to hell. Uh, because it was so easy to hide but, yeah, the anonymity that you have in a chat room to say whatever you want to say was the worst thing that could have happened to me. My step zero was one night I was talking to a, a man talking about, uh, you know, getting to go with threesomes and, all, and whatnot. And he um, typed to me, what would the people in your community think if, we, if they knew that we were having this conversation? And I said... Well, I don't have to worry about that. And he said, well, yes, you do. And I said, well, you don't know who I am. Um, long story short, he looked up my AOL screen name on Google. And, you know, Google, you get 1.7 million entries. Well, when he looked up my screen name, he got four. And one of them was uh, a link to a, the homepage of the local Lions Club, uh, of which I was the head, and it had my full name. So in within two minutes, I said, he knows who I am. He can find out where I live. He can, you know, and he said, well, I would never do that, you know, as long as you do this. So it was basically he was blackmailing me. Um, I had been to an essay meeting or two in the years before that um, because, again, as everybody said, you know, when I was, um, 11 and 12 and, and started masturbating. That was, that was it. Um, but it took me probably a good 35 years to even question whether I had a problem as opposed to just 
you know, being a guy who had a high sex drive. Um, and so I dabbled in a couple of meetings and I sort of knew I belonged there, but that night, um, I knew, uh, that's the good part of the story that got me here. The bad part of my story is I've been going to meetings for five years and I'm even not even at step zero yet. I feel, I feel like I'm a newcomer. Uh, I've been in a, uh, extramarital affair for 14 years. My wife has found out about it on two separate occasions. Um, she has turned pretty much a deaf ear and blind eye to it. Um, um, she knows I'm here, but she doesn't really know what this program is about. And, um, I think she's in denial that, that she has to deal with it. Um, so my hope is that I go to six meetings a week, uh, every morning and I go Saturday morning to a, a big group. My hope is that I've heard so many stories of success, um, that, and I've heard so many people say, you know, listen, you, five years is not a long time. It's taken me eight. It's taken some people 10. Um, and what encourages me is that even the people who have years and years of sobriety say to me, I wanted to act out Tuesday. You know, I wanted to act out yesterday. I was in, you know, the city the other day. It was 90 degrees and I, and I barely, you know, was able to, to, to get through the day. So, I have intelligence, I have knowledge, but in this case, knowledge is not power. It, it has not given me the power to act, take the right actions. Um, but I'm hopeful. And, and I'll finish simply by saying, you know, it's frustrating to me that I keep coming to meetings and coming to meetings and I'm not making the progress that I want to make. But I know that I have made progress and I know that if I stop coming to meetings and abandon this, um, I shudder to think of, of where what will happen to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all the time we have for uh, sharing. Uh, is there somebody that has a burning desire for one last year? Okay. Um, let's close uh, with the serenity prayer. Let's stand in a circle and hold hands. moment of silence for those people suffering inside and outside of these walls and the people that we've harmed and the people that have harmed us. Prayer. God, God grant us serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. Keep coming back. Can you do it at my church? I know you have a year. I'm not here. I'm so here.
Hi. Well, I yes, I uh, read the rules of uh, the meeting, and then I uh, talked a little bit about myself, and I talked about what step zero means to me, and uh, what essay, how, how we sort of function in essay, and then open the floor to, to uh, share. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give you this, uh, this is the sort of the outline that I followed. I, I introduced myself, my home group, uh, how long I've been sober, what the name of the, the uh, topic was. Uh, I read the protocol, which is uh, this thing here, which is sort of the rules. Now, this was a recorded session, so I had to tell people. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.